heard raped by the light of christ uh the live version from purgatory unleashed uh 2010 live record that mm-hmm. gates put out for the reunion tour recorded in the Wacken Wacken festival, festival. Mm-hmm. in uh, germany i believe mm-hmm. uh this recommended podcast at the gates part two i'm mark and i'm jason and uh i always have fond memories of raped by the light of christ as i've often said that this is a. Uh, it was like I was I was in high school when I saw at the gates for the first time, and I went with Chris. Uh, Mark wasn't there because I think you were out in uh, Philly at the time, uh, working at Relapse, probably because yeah. it was uh, July of '97. No, July of '96. Probably '96. I was yeah. there in '96. Yeah, July of '96. Yeah, because it was summer before my going to my senior year of high school, and uh, actually, I was in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Ah, Lancaster. Yeah, not quite Philly. Uh, Relapse well, before they were the juggernauts that they are now. <laughs> uh, we were in a bottom part of a Christmas decoration store. Nice. Yeah. <laughs>
the good old days. Yeah. The good old days. And, uh, yeah, we went and saw these guys. It was a 4th of July thing. They were opening for uh, Napalm Death, and we got to, you know, go on the tour bus with those guys and actually went to the Wendy's. Curse to Tour. Curse to Tour. Yeah, yeah. Right. And went uh, went to Wendy's with Martin Larson uh, in Grand Rapids, <laughs> Michigan. And um, it was pretty cool. You know, Was so that at the Reptile House? That was at the Reptile House, wow. yeah. I have that framed uh, Reptile House poster that the guy signed yeah. for me, which is pretty nifty. And the the one song, and this is again speaking of how uh, in part one, Mark and I talked about how obscure with fear, I kissed the burning darkness was. I still didn't have a copy of this, <laughs> and so they they got up there and um, they said, uh, you know, this next one goes out to Chris and the Requiem guys, you know, for coming out and blah blah. This is right by the light of Christ, and I just remember thinking to myself. I don't know this song and like yeah. dedicating it to me. And it kind of felt like, <laughs> like sadly empty in a way, but then they also dedicated world of lies to us, which is cool. And I didn't know that song, but yeah. it kind of gave me the impetus to like, want to find out what this song was. And it turns out it's a you know, fucking badass song. And when one of the, probably the best songs that they ever wrote, um, such a fierce song for three minutes. I mean, there's just like almost a, there's a lot happening in three minutes and it almost sets up the new template. And that's kind of why I chose it to open mm-hmm. up part, part two. Cause it really sets up that punchy new style template that at the gates is going to do where they're, they're able to achieve a lot of songwriting in like two and a half, three minutes, which almost becomes their new formula yep. rather than these long, like epic kind of strewn out, like complex. Well, this is kind, kind of, of the, the beginning of, you know, the thrash revival of sorts. I mean, in flames, definitely. And, you know, excretion, a couple of other, uh, like war bands, uh, war mm-hmm. record bands, yeah, Eucharist and so they're kind of yeah, like channeling a little bit of at least like thrash sensibilities into not necessarily stuff that would, you know later on like you know municipal wastes and that kind mm-hmm. of stuff, but but pulling more thrash into death metal instead of you know old death and autopsy and all that yeah. kind of stuff that they were doing, and especially and a lot punk. of the, and we talked about this in way back when when you did the Skydancer show and stuff, but a lot of the. Uh, the German stuff, you know, yep. uh, Teutonic metal dude. Yeah. The, the creators, <laughs> the destructions, the Sodoms, you know, yep. some of that stuff kind of mixed in there. But, you know, I think also, you know, Tampa always bringing kind of some of the, the punk influence in there, which gave it that shorter, punchier kind of feel, you know, mm-hmm. too. Um, wasn't afraid to be catchy, which, you know, yeah. uh, it was sort of nice. Um, and so right by the light of Christ sets this kind of thing in motion. And then that's their least, their last record with Peaceville is, is with fear. I kiss the burning dark. The terminal was on Peaceville too. Was it? Yeah. Okay. My version of course is the, the strange, what futurist version. Oh yeah, that's right. It is Peaceville. Yeah. But this got like kind of weird distribution as well. Right. Not, I mean, it was, it was better than with fear, but um, it was just back then it was just weird because there, you'd have a company that would pop up. And they'd say, okay, we're going to license everything from peace or, you know, cherry pick peaceful titles this year. But peaceful is one of those labels that, oh, it was like early on, it was just buying stuff imports yeah. or else they'd like every once in a while you could get, you know, stuff in the States. But this is still kind of like coming right out of that time where you'd have to get stuff mail order. You know, you're paying eighteen, nineteen dollars for a CD yep. plus shipping sometimes. Sometimes, yeah. Um, this was like right around the time when like relapse mail order started carrying a lot of the stuff, and it was, I think, might have been the last. Oh, maybe there's two more years of their whole uh, of the nuclear blast relapse, relapse kind of thing. Yeah, yeah they, they were like licensing all their stuff stateside too. So it was, it wasn't you know the internet generation of you know everybody getting everything whenever they want it kind of kind of deal. So and now. Terminal Spirit Disease, which which comes out in 94, um, you know, I mean, e- e- I guess 
you can look at it as a full length, even though it's really sort of an EP with some live song kind of added on. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's uh, is it six six original songs. Yeah, six original songs and then three live songs. And the six original songs are you know like under a half hour, so it's not mm-hmm. not a long record by any means. But uh, I think those live versions show what how great of a live band they were mm-hmm. becoming at that point too. Yeah. Which yeah. I think led to how tight Slaughter of the Soul is going to be. Sure. And I think, you know, what was your reaction? Because you heard this in, in proper sequence. Mm-hmm. When you go from Red in the Sky and With Fear, which are these dense, you know, labyrinthine kind of records to, to Terminal Spirit. I mean, was it was it like a Wolverine Blues kind of shocker? No, at all? not at all. Or, I mean, because at this point, there was so much shit coming out in a given year that it wasn't... You know, it wasn't like you're just waiting for for the next record to come out. There's so much other stuff that was like fulfilling our, you know, needs for all this. Getting into whatever you know other scene. You know, this is around like black metal time too. Mm-hmm. So all this other shit was you know kind of occupying the space. It was just like okay, here's a new at the gates record. Cool. I don't remember personally having any kind of like any reservations yeah. about this is like becoming too commercial or something. Yeah, and I mean it's not. You know, when we get into the stuff uh, here in a second, you know, I mean, when you hear, and most of you are probably at least somewhat familiar with, uh, I would imagine, some of the songs, especially maybe the title track and Forever Blind, you know, mm-hmm. which kind of get played quite a bit. Um, you know, it's not like shockingly catchy or shockingly like ballless. You know, I mean, it's still yeah. like fierce and, and, and oh, sure. it's got like all those elements, but. Uh, I mean, I'm, every one of their records is a transitional record. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is the probably, between this and Slaughter of the Soul is the least. Uh, jump yeah you know but it's just more of a refinement between that point but i mean just like you know the 80s hardcore punk scene these bands burned like really fast and hot and you know put out you know maybe one two records on ep and they're done Mm -hmm. and i think just especially you know these guys are i don't know in their early 20s at this point too it's like you're trying to figure shit out and it's just you know years go on years are much longer than they are now <laughs> yeah that's true so like all the stuff that you can change musically in a given time you know a given year or something i think is uh really kind of like you know shows on these records like they're all you know these guys you know catatonia paradise lost all these guys are going these really weird leaps and bounds between each yeah you know where you're, you're like almost witnessing their maturing you know maturing as an adult in their music as well just like hey we're really into this really into this throw it in what works what doesn't you know kind of reminds me uh you know like the early 90s like uh underground death metal just underground metal scene in general sort of reminds me uh in a sense uh having taught the music history stuff of like you know, really like 1963, 1967 kind of stuff, just how quickly like, you know, bands like the Beatles or Bob Dylan or, or, um, Hendrix or whomever would evolve. Mm -hmm. And I mean, the Beatles would put out like two records in the same year. And one was like, you know, a psychedelic odyssey, you know, I mean like all of a sudden it was, it was the evolution was happening so quickly for those bands when they're at such like a young age. And I feel like that was kind of happening with the, the nineties stuff, you mm-hmm. know, metal. And uh, also in a sense, I think with the punk scene in the late seventies, early eighties, you know, yeah. like you look at a band like the clash and how quickly they evolved into doing reggae and, you know, all these mm-hmm. other kind of elements into, into their music. But, um, you know, I think for me, the band that at the gates fits alongside, I think the most in hindsight. And I think this record kind of couples with that, uh, other bands record that was released around the same time as carcass. And, you know, Carcass evolved, you know, you look at like the evolution, they went from Reek to Symphonies is just like huge. Mm -hmm. Then from Symphonies, Necroticism is is pretty gigantic. And then Necroticism to to Heartwork, I mean, 
there is an evolution there and Heartwork is like this, you know, melodic death metal sort of masterpiece and it's released the same year as Terminal Spirit Disease and I think mm-hmm. they're kind of like twin engines of that that scene in a weird way. Yeah, know? and then, you know, when Swan Song came out, that was the one record that everybody it was divisive and yeah. you know, as a purist, I think that if they would have had that not in their career, uh they would have been I mean, and still Carcass is still held up in really high esteem and you know for for sure you know they should be um but i think at the gates is in the special kind of realm where they never put out a stinker they never put out a record where people are just like oh yeah i don't know if, if this is even when they put out something more catchy it was like in the zeitgeist of the time like this is what we needed yeah death metal was starting to flounder really bad and this is what it needed to happen yeah. so i can totally like if, if they would have put out another record after slaughter i don't, I, I don't think it would have well metal changed so quickly after 95 95 is that tip 96 97 98 is a dark dark time for extreme metal yeah we actually had a lot of requests to do a an episode about that trying there there was good stuff in it but you had to have what that was how weird that scene was you would have had to be willing to go along for the ride for Uh, you know like the my dang brides and paradise lost putting a host and oh and you, you had to you had to branch out from what you had been listening to you had to go you had to jump with Opeth. You had to jump with Black Metal. I mean, you had to go. Mm-hmm. I mean, you probably at that point in order to, to Black really... Black Metal was dead at that point. That, well, you that had, was symphonic Black Metal. I was going to say you had to jump onto uh, Enthroned Darkness Triumphant and stuff like that, which is not bad records, but you no. had to go yeah. with Symphonic, you yep. know, because <laughs> Burzum was in prison. I mean, you know, like, yeah. it was just a weird, it was a weird time, yeah. you know, uh... I mean, there was there was always kind of the the constant talk of you know just talking with other you know extreme metal people was like how much longer can this go? Yeah, and that I mean it's and in hindsight, what's weird for me is I never thought that because I was just getting into it. So you could so go for back. Me, it and, was like yeah. fruitful. It was endless. But like for yeah. you guys, you were like, oh man, has it run its course? You know, like what's what's going to happen next? It was rough. And Napalm then, was putting out questionably like the, probably the weakest records of their career. I mean, all the like words from exit wounds and uh, yeah, inside the torn apart. You know, and, yeah, it was hard to know what was going to happen with the morbids. You know, the obituaries were kind of and like then we had off. we had metalcore coming in. Yeah. Which seemed, there, seemed maybe, at the time refreshing, but then quickly ran its course by like 2001 or whatever. Well, becoming, yeah, really you know. kind of derivative because all they're doing is ripping off Swedish death metal, but putting in, you know, brocore riffs too. Speaking of terminal spirit disease and slaughter of the soul, that's the template for metalcore in a sense. You know, yeah. that's, that's maybe. Darkest Hour, their entire career is based on <laughs> based ripping on off it. at the gates. And I think that's maybe where I was talking about in part one, where there is that dividing point for at the gates fans, and maybe it's a little bit of a. Uh, kind of antagonism towards the influence that at the gates later records had mm-hmm. you know i think i don't think anybody in their right mind well i wouldn't say that i don't think most rational people would sit down and go slaughter of the soul sucks there's nothing valuable about slaughter of the soul like it's bad you know no. you have to recognize that it's it's good songwriting it's catchy it's punchy it might not be your thing it's what the scene needed but you can't dismiss it no but there i think there are people that hold slaughter of the soul responsible for what happened after and it's like yeah that's that's kind of unreasonable i don't think mm-hmm. at the gates was predicting that or wanting that that's like holding no. that's like holding faith no more and rage against machine helmet responsible for new metal and like, that sounds yeah. it's it's not their yeah it's not their fault what happened you know um so i mean i don't know that's that's a kind of I mean, people always like to have a, but you know complain about something yeah yeah <laughs> Controversies and the uh, metal people like to complain more than uh, a lot of other people. Yeah, yeah, we're like uh, we're like 
you know, internet no, movie bloggers. When it no longer becomes, you know, this isn't my metal anymore. Yeah. Then you either fucking, you know, ball up and like get into something else and go back and discover where the stuff came from or, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, the extreme metal community in some weird ways, like even people like our age or slightly younger, we're almost like sort of like, uh, some sort of very jaded in that like ain't it cool news kind of way where it's just like we we can nitpick like anything and just like you know well there's destroy a, it there's a couple there's a couple camps there's the ones that i think when you hit a certain age and you're still you're still long for the ride yeah with the shit there's some people you know that like okay i listen to extreme metal stuff but now i've got a family and i like whatever's on the radio is fine you know nickelback or uh Disturb that that you know kind of like satiates the the hardness that I need in my yeah. in my life. But with uh, like I, I I never foresee a time in my life where I'm not listening to this stuff. Yeah. At this point, I've been listening to it longer than any. This is probably the longest relationship I've had in my life is with extreme metal. <laughs> yeah, same here. So <laughs> so like now you know when I'm if I am disillusioned by a certain scene or whatever, I go back and like okay, in the last like you know four or five years like i rediscovered the early 80s hardcore punk scene yeah like everything that remotely kind of goes back to like influencing metal or just like the history of music in general is is interesting to me now so it's like there's there's never something you know there's never a time where i'm not looking or investigating something or like going back into like you know obscure thrash bands and something the whole canadian metal series we did sure you know like that was stuff i was never really privy to as a kid Outside of, you know, I heard the name Voivod, but, uh, you know, Exciter and, you know, a lot of these other bands, I have no idea. Yeah, Yeah, Sacrifice. And I think the the problem I have, too, you know, speaking of, like, this new generation, the new wave of American heavy metal or or whatever you want to call it or whatever the sort of post-at-the-gates, Shadows Fall kind of stuff sort of created is, you know, like, I, I have trouble accessing some of that newer stuff. And I know there's probably some, some of those things that are better than others. I think I miss, I judge some things just based on the fact that I, I assume it's going to be part of something I don't like. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, and it, it strikes me, I, I'd like to be able to bridge that gap because so many of my students will, will talk to me about some of that kind of stuff, you know, and like ask me, you know, do you listen to blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, do you like cattle decapitation? Like, yeah, eh, it's kind of derivative. Or, or, or like, uh, I don't know, like Born of Osiris and some of that stuff. It's like I, I've never. I, I assume I think I know what they sound like, and that's enough for me. And I, maybe I just equate everything back to that one time we saw Suicide Silence open for Carcass. Oh, fucking. And it's like you know, like that's what the kids that I teach kind of listen to, and and kudos to them because it's not like it's not like mainstream. You know, like, they're not listening to like, no. Nickelback. So, yeah. like, on some level, I'm totally, like, legit. I wonder if, like, the generation above us was looking at us when we were listening to, like, you know, late, you know, Demu Borger know. and going, like, the fuck are you listening to Demu Borger for? You should be listening to, like, old autopsy records. Well, I think Demu Borger might be a different, a different case, <laughs> but if you go back and, uh, this, like, death metal in the early, late 80s, early 90s, was not derivative of anything else. Yeah. It didn't sound like anything else. That's true. They had nothing to like copy because it was like kind of still yeah. The, and like the and first. black metal, you know. Okay, Bathory did some of this stuff, but this did not sound like anything else we'd ever heard before. Yeah. I don't know when that next big like shift is going to be in metal. Like you know, like the the converge, the post whatever, uh, post death metal, post punk, sure. weird you know combine like bands like you know uh, Black Breath. 
Mm-hmm. I always fucking forget that. I always think it's Death Breath. You know, like Black Breath and Converge and, you know, Coalesce and some of these bands are, they're they're doing something that doesn't really sound like anything else, but what's that next thing going to be? Yeah. Every, the derivative stuff is the stuff that I don't really, I don't have the time. I'm getting older. I yeah. don't have the time to waste my time just seeing if this has any relevance anymore. I know. And that's and that's where I, it's sad for me because I, I I love to have that connect with my students to be able to have like those common conversations because because yeah. I wonder like if if I have the attitude that where I always kind of talk to them about this this stuff that's like I guess derivative if I kind of go to them like well that doesn't have value like you should listen to this mm-hmm. like am I sounding like a thirty year old talking to a 16 year old the way I would have thought of it back when I was 16 where if I went into new moon records and was like, yeah, man, I'm like, I'm really pumped to hear, you know, Slayer. And they're like, nah, Slayer's cool. But like, you should listen to deep purple. And at the time I probably been like, fuck you like deep purple. That's, yeah. you know, I heard that on fucking classic rock. I don't want to hear, you know, but yeah, at the, at the same time, Nick, now I understand like both of those bands are awesome in their in their sure. own right, but like at the time, it just sounded like some old person telling me, "You should go back and you know fuck, fuck Born of Osiris. You should be listening to Carcass Heartwork." Yeah. And they're kind of like, "Who the fuck's Carcass?" Because they broke up in '95, so like <laughs> the night when they're born. So like, I I get it. Like I get why those kids want their own stuff, but it doesn't mean that I'm interested in it. But yet I'd love to like be able well, the to whole like, thing, yeah. have a conversation. I think with the whole thing's like, it's a lifelong and you've got people that are passive music fans and people that are engaged music fans. Yeah. And it's a lifelong thing that, you know, back in the day I didn't like in the early nineties, I did not give a shit about anything else except for death metal because that was what I discovered. Yeah. And it was this underground you And that's know, how I thing. feel some of my students are. They're passionate about Suicide Silence and Born of Osiris and, and some of that stuff because that's what they discovered when they were fourteen. And so I relate to that, but I don't. Like I don't relate yeah. to those bands, but I get the experience of well, them feeling I think, empowered. By I think Jeff Wagner it. said it the best when when people approach you that kind of stuff. You just say, "I don't know how to like that." Yeah, I don't know how to like that yet. <laughs> yeah, it's, well, don't put the yet on there. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. it's a it's a dismissive statement, but it also has an air of respect to it yeah, that, sure. that I think kids yeah. can. I haven't figured out how. But to I think like that. if if kids can even think about broaching that subject with you there's already some kind of like respect there sure and they they and they're gonna they get know that i'm legitimately yeah of kids that are gonna be like well this guy knows what he's talking about maybe i should check this stuff out yeah and it's just you know it's whatever you're sure you're kind but, of but i see is. a lot of that emerge post slaughter the soul at the gates you know it's yeah. like that's like a dividing line you know and stuff so um but anyways we uh we, we tangent but i i think it's it's you know it's a cool conversation one worth having i think mm-hmm. at the gate spurs that sometimes because they do create these bastard children in the 2000s that some people are still well, you know, angry about. And if any know. of these bands get you to go back and listen to the source material, yeah, yeah. more you hope, to you. You hope that like, at a certain point some of those bands like speak about this and say, hey, go check this out. You know yeah. I mean? Yeah, well, I mean, another a band that uh, came out of that, that kind of scene, Black Dahlia Murder, which I, I know uh, Trevor, the singer in the band, he is one of the biggest proponents of death metal sure. out there, but they have a younger demographic that yep. is definitely not my you know not my scene but they're you know constantly kind of like spouting the you know this is what you need to check out yeah you know this is where it all came from and more power to them yeah know? exactly because if bands that we listen to hadn't have done that about the old stuff we might not be discovering like early you know discharge and, and you know and some sure. of that, that i mean that's how I, like both were talked about like we wouldn't yeah. be around without discharge concrete socks blah 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 mm-hmm. i went back and listened to those bands sure. yeah. 
Like, yeah. I don't necessarily understand this, but I like if Walter likes it. Yeah. It's got there's yeah, got to be something there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, for sure. So, but let's uh, let's get into some of this melodic, uh, catchy, punchy uh, stuff that we were kind of talking about here. We've got uh, Terminal Spirit Disease, Forever Blind, and the Fevered Circle from the Terminal Spirit Disease record. Then from uh, from that record, we have a live version of the Beautiful Wound, um, which was actually from the Purgatory Unleashed record that we kind of talked about. Then we're gonna close with uh, something kind of fun that uh, some of you probably have heard, and if you haven't, yeah, you'll Shame enjoy, and, and we'll talk about it.
beautiful rude. Yeah.
That was Captor of Sin, The Beautiful Wound Live, The Fevered Circle, Forever Blind, and Terminal Spirit Disease. And uh, that last song, maybe people have heard it before. It's kind of a famous uh, famous little ditty from a band called Slayer. All the little girls like to spread the legs in the night. This is Captor of Sin. This is Captor of Sin. <laughs> and that comes from the uh, Slaytanic Slaughter, right? Is that what it was called? Uh, what was it? Those, those two collections. Yeah, I don't. I've got it. It's actually on. Um, oh my god, the Curse the Tour right. thing as uh, well. Drive me nuts! It's the the Slaytanic Slaughter thing that Black Sun Records put out, right? Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. Volume One and Volume Two. That was yeah. on Volume One. Yeah. And not the first time. And we'll, we'll talk more about Captor Sin in a second. But not the first time at the gates had done a. Uh, epic tribute to a uh, big thrash band because mm-hmm. they actually uh, went undercover as Snot Rocket. Oh, that's right. For the Metal Militia, uh, which was the Metallica tribute, which had like In Flames and Ceremonial Oath and uh, which for there's some, Cody, some weird thing like within um, I don't know, it might have been some, some kind of like contract thing to where they couldn't record the, it at the gates. As at the gates. So like, we're Snot Rocket. It was Escape, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, they do escape from uh, Ride the Lightning. When they ended up doing a no security cover as well later on too, but they don't. They did their their covers were quite varied. Yeah, well, we're gonna get to another cover a little bit later. But uh, Captor Sin is, you know, we don't we we tend to shy away from covers um, because typically they just they don't hold a candle to either the originals or they're not terribly relevant to like the trajectory of like a band. But I think oh, the song like. Sums up at the gates altogether. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> if you can make a take a Slayer song like Capture of Sin and make it more, more fierce, more ferocious, just like more, this, this song is just explosive all the way through. Yeah, like, it's like you're they're coming off the rails, and the whole time they're doing it's like they're on the verge of just fucking, you know, falling flat. Yeah, there's and, so much energy in it. And I've told Mark that the the part I used to listen to this on headphones when I was doing construction all the time. Like I have like I have these weird like visions back to like being like up on the roof alone like cleaning and like listening to this stuff on like walkman you know yeah. or discman or something and in particular this the part of that song that always would get me is the the bends and the solo which they they, they play the solos fairly you know true to what king and hanneman kind of did but mm-hmm. like almost like an overdrive yeah and it's the way that like there's a difference in how Araya's vocals come out of the chorus with the the lead still sort of like Resonating a little bit. Resonating and bending compared to what Tampa does. And Tampa's just, he's a different beast altogether. And yeah. so it's a different level of fer, you know ferociousness that, that still hits me pretty hard. Well, I think I this that. song, though, I mean, it, similarly to how uh, My Friend of Misery is like a perfect fit for Dark Tranquility. Yeah, personality-wise. This, this, like, totally sums up, you know, the kind of personality of the band. It has, like, lightning in a bottle. I mean, they're yeah. just, like, unhinged, you know. Um, you know, I mean, if, you know, before we move on to, I guess, Slide of the Soul, is there, you know, any particular, I guess, memories or highlights or things from Terminal Spirit Disease that sort of jump out to you amongst the, some of the songs? I mean, the know? live songs were the ones that were always kind of like the, the yeah. cherries on that one for us. But, you know, yeah. just to, to hear, you know, pre-YouTube and pre-having, two, like, a ton of interviews, like, hearing a little bit of the personality of the band come through live, I think sure. it was always kind of interesting. And I like that they're able to throw, you know, some different things in there. Like, you know, like the fevered circle has some kind of like doomy parts to it, mm-hmm. which is kind of cool. And, um, you know, a song like forever blind is pretty predictive of where slaughter of the soul is going to go. I think. Plus you get one of, um, uh, something that they do on this record and slaughter of the soul, which are the, the really cool instrumentals, which is uh track three on there. Is it the, and the world return. And, yeah. And, the world return. and then, uh, you know, into the dead sky on slaughter of the soul. And I, I always like those, uh, Partially because one of the the problems you have in high school, if you're dating normal people, (laughs) 
is trying to uh, make relevant uh, to these females that there is something valuable uh, and beautiful about metal. Yeah, and, which now is not a problem at no, all. No, it's but, not. Uh, not the girls issue. are so young that I have a problem associating with people that are that young. Yeah, yeah. But uh, and the world returned and, and into the dead sky was like a, a cool, unique moment to be like, hey, look, here's a band like using like violins and cellos and, and doing this like beautiful, dark kind of landscape of the, you know, uh, it was like a dark, beautiful kind of mixture. I mean, it was like what Dark Tranquility were doing and Opeth and a lot of mm-hmm. these other Swedish bands and this sort of fit right in line with that. And so I always uh, I always got my kicks on those two songs or like putting them on mixed CDs or mixtapes or whatever. Yeah. Uh, they fit pretty well. And actually, yeah, these three, uh, All I Fans, The Burning Darkness, and Kingdom Gone on the, the live tracks, they're, they're so like affected me so or i'm so used to hearing that version if i hear the album version i always think there's going to be like the the op- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay, they just become synonymous with those songs like there's such like perfect interpretations of those of that time of the band yeah yeah that's almost like the you know the the penultimate version of those songs for me and then saw it with the soul and it happened um you know, 1995. What was this? Uh, what was it? Was this vote? Was this voted the greatest death metal record of all time? I can't remember. I mean, I, different polls I, have, yeah. have sort of thrown different things. Um, let's, it's it's let's in there. It's it's but. in the it's in the conversation. Maybe maybe you could argue it's the most important Swedish death metal record alongside you know Life uh, Left Hand Path. You know, I mean, there, there's a lot of different debates you could kind of have, but it certainly has had an impact. Yes. Um, yes. Um, it's a nice swan song, as you said. You know, perfect way to go out, kind of right on top. You know, for a band, sure. You know, to, to I mean, it was similar to like uh, how Sepultura Rise was like. If you liked any kind of remotely hard music, you had that record. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how this record was too. Yeah, it was a, a gateway uh, yeah. drug for a lot of people. I remember what was so odd about this is this was the first record that. Outside of my little circle of friends that were were pretty fairly getting tuned into the European metal scene, this seemed to be kind of the first European metal record outside of I guess the British earache stuff, which was mm-hmm. you know kind of I don't say mainstream, but it had some access points because of Columbia and, and the sure. Columbia earache deal. Yeah, this seemed to be a record that I had conversations with people at concerts about in the mid '90s, uh, who I didn't really know that well, who would openly talk about at the gates it was almost like their first awareness that there was an entire metal scene happening outside of american england yeah or brazil you know or whatever. but uh and that was strange to me because i was like oh really this is you didn't know that there was all these swedish and norwegian bands and you know whatever yeah. danish bands and, and doing this and to them it was like really eye-opening that there was this whole other thing happening on the other side of the planet well uh, yeah if you look at like as far as like mainstream accessibility or just mainstream exposure, Morbid Angel, and then it jumps right to At the Gates. Yeah, I think we're the two of the bands that were Campbell like, Corpse with with sure with the Ace Ventura kind of yeah. You know I mean, but yeah, yeah. yeah, but I think I know what you're saying. But as far as far as like uh, Cannibal Corpse were they were but Covenant was the, the first record they were not a major label. Yeah, you know, but Morbid definitely. Angel and yeah, I mean, I guess all those three three of those bands were had enough media exposure to where it was just like uncompromising. Uh, to the, I guess, the original ethos of what death metal was, 
and then yet they can still have that kind of like because cannibal corpse stuff mostly came out from controversy yeah. from you know like okay you know butchered at birth and eaten back to life that had censored covers yeah. they they're in all kinds of like news reports and shit uh, morbid angel i guess to a lesser degree but still having that you know that giant deal yeah uh, and then seeing that as a video, this is like probably one of the earlier things you saw on like Headbangers Ball. Absolutely. And like, oh, what the fuck is this? <laughs> yeah. And you can go to almost any record store and buy this too. Yeah. It's like, wow. Well, just there was a, this is something kind of dangerous about pulling those tapes off, and they were tapes. You yeah. Know, and tapes and CDs, I guess you know, and this like staring at the like whatever the satanic book was on the cover of Covenant. It's looking back and it, it's pretty pedestrian it as far as ridiculous. like metal but, covers go. But but, but like in a, <laughs> in an atmospheric sense, if all you're exposed to is you saw this video for Rapture and God of Emptiness late at night on Headbangers Ball, yeah, you were like you know fourteen, mm-hmm. a little uneasy. You didn't know if you really should have been seeing those videos. Oh sure, you know? and then the riffs from that from Morbid Angel at that point were. You never heard shit like the riffs themselves. Even if you had no context of you know like demonic imagery or kind satanic of shit, we're just like well, this is just yeah fucking yeah. scary as it is. Yeah, it was probably like the way people heard <clears throat> Hendrix the first time. You know, yeah. it was just like it melted your brain with what they were trying to do, and you know that's Trey's whole approach in a sense. But yeah, it was it was. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but Slaughter was a was a whole other beast. It was like Heartwork Part Two. Because Heartwork, you know, kind of pushed the door open to melodic metal mm-hmm. in a mainstream sense. I mean, you saw Heartwork videos on Headbangers. I don't really remember seeing the the Blinded by Fear video on Headbangers so much because I think Headbangers was done by '95. You know, so you didn't really Probably. access point it. But I mean, I've seen it since. Um, but it was, yeah, this thing was everywhere in, yeah. in a weird way. And uh, I mean, I think it had the same kind of enthusiasm around it that, you know, cause everybody was like really into heart work when that came out for sure. It had more, a lot of like crossover appeal, but at the gates almost had that like kind of like camaraderie feel that thrash metal had mm-hmm. to like where people would like, you'd, even if you didn't know the per like you'd, you know, throw arms around them and like start headbanging to this song. And you know, like, like you would with an Exodus or Metallica record or mm-hmm. something. Yeah. And, there, there's not a whole lot of like really extreme metal bands I think that have ever really hit that kind of nerve with people. So I guess my my question is, and it, it's always bantered around: Is this a thrash record or a death metal record? Because oh, it's I a mean, death metal record, you know. But I, I think it's it's probably like the the perfect marriage of the two, where they each have their own identity still exposed, where it's not just purely referential to the other. Yeah. It's like taking something they loved as kids merging it with something that a scene they help create and then come bring something else out of it. It's not the, you know, like, like a band like toxic Holocaust, who is very, you know, speed metal influence from, you know, the eighties, but not really bringing anything else, which is fine. I, sure. I love the band, but I think with, uh, with slaughter the soul, those were two scenes that kind of like came together. Perfect. And that yeah. record. And I don't know if that really has ever done so since. And I, and I think, for me, I see it in the same light that is 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 a perfect marriage between those two scenes. It's it's as if you know, Rain and Blood was like the perfect marriage between thrash and extreme metal. Like I mean, it was mm-hmm. like on the threshold, really, of like, I mean, that was a record that Obituary, Morbid Angel, Death, everyone was paying attention to, even mm-hmm. though Slayer wasn't extreme metal yet. 
their imagery. All they were taking was vocals. It, you know, yeah, yeah. This is, I mean, it was it was just right there. And I see this in the same light that it's that emergence between you know thrash and and death metal, but it appealed to both camps mm-hmm. on, on a pretty profound level. And uh, you know, I I guess Rain and Blood's a good way to sort of describe this record because I think in the same way, all of these songs are very short and punchy and samey in a way. Yeah, there's not a lot of like there's there's sort of like a timber or a tone to the whole record where very few of the songs jump out immediately to you but it's a great headphone record you know mm-hmm. when you put like the headphones it's like a great like repeat listen record like rain and blood is yeah exactly because there's there's moments in each song and it might be a 2 second moment but it's like mm-hmm. there's a really weird like shift in tone or like the drums will change for one second and it's like or those even, moments you hook you know, onto and you're just like yeah motherfucker yeah having you know? like a cassette tape version of rain and blood and then getting the cd version i was like that's where that song begins yeah like that kind of shit yeah it's it's kind of weird and a song like 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 unto others in need which we'll be listening to i remember like needs like two minutes and 30 seconds long like there's nothing to it but there's something about like the little beginning intro where adrian or slanison like does like this weird delay before he like jumps in at like the 45 second mark Mm -hmm. it's it, it's almost like he gets lazy for a second, but he's doing it completely on purpose. Like he slows almost like down catching up or and then jumps it back yeah. into something. And it like, it kills me every time. Like, fuck yeah. Like, but it's like so simple. And most people on first or even 10th listen, probably don't hear that or give a shit about it. But mm-hmm. it's that part that appeals to me about rain and blood. It's that part that appeals to me about slaughter of the soul is the, the littler moments, you know? Um, the way that the the sort of guitar solo bubbles up out of like slaughter of the soul and cold, like it just sort of like yeah. bubbles, you know, it's effervescent. Like it just, you know, it's really well, even simple. The, There's yeah, nothing the, like dynamic about it, but I think, I, I don't know if how, how many of the solos that Martin Larson actually performed. I think it's mostly, uh, was Anders. Was uh, the, is Anders a Jonas? Yeah. It's and, and Jonas is a bass player. Bass. He's got a very similar, you know, like the, the Kerry King, Jeff Hanneman vibe where if you're really, really schooled in Slayer, you can tell the difference. Yeah. But they never really go out on a limb and do something really weird for a solo. Like, they've got their own solo approach. And really, sure. it doesn't matter the notes they hit. It's like the progression of it. And I think the, that the At The Gates has a similar kind of vibe where there's a consistency to the solos, except the Andy LaRogue solo is a little bit yeah. different in it. But it's, it's such a, a consistency similar to Slayer that you know what to expect, but you're not like disappointed when you hear it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of thing. And then when they do something, which in hindsight, isn't really that dynamic, but like for the record, super dynamic, like under a serpent sun has that like middle section. That's like, so I, it's almost like the beginning of rain and blood, the song Yeah, like, Oh, like this is so different, <laughs> but yet it's really not, but it's like, it, it allows itself to like slow down or something. Almost like the, the intro to like Jesus saves mm-hmm. where like, that that doesn't sound like any other part in the record and it's only for like 40 seconds but like that 40 seconds in a block of a 29 minute record mm-hmm. just grabs you because you're like oh this is really different but it's really not you know yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah but like that moment on under a serpent sun does it for me you know like in, in the middle like it's it's like really melodic yeah but it's not really that melodic you know it's it's not like in the context or something yeah like in the that. context of uh, of the record it is and then blinded by fear which is it's such a great song but yet it's really not like it's really 
we're pretty pedestrian for for that whole record in hindsight but yet it's, yeah. it's the song that kind of was their hit song for a while off of it you know and so i'm still endeared to it because it's like that first at the gate song i ever sure. heard you know and, and stuff so um but it's you know it's a cool record i'm sure everyone has their favorites on it I'm sure there's some people that are sick to death of this record and never want to hear it again. There's some people that are still like... See, the nice thing is is know. that they put out the Purgatory Unleashed record that yeah. gives you a different version of it to hear, sure. so it's not the same thing. Yeah. But I would also suggest people go out and get... I have three versions of Slaughter of the Soul. <laughs> I have the original... I have the reissue that has a CD-ROM on it, mm-hmm. and then I have the reissue with the DVD. The, the DVD documentary. Um, and the documentary, you know, if you actually like sitting down, like seeing, I really like seeing, especially like like Morbid Angel did this recently. With the studio stuff. Yeah, like seeing the studio shit, how it actually works. Yeah. Um, that's a, you, I'm sure you can find it on YouTube as yeah. well. But uh, yeah, that's definitely something to check out. That's the thing that Eric's got me multiple times on. <laughs> Is I've got I think four versions Scum of necroticism, and, yeah, necroticism, and uh, yeah, force of equilibrium. Got I've got three versions, versions of that yeah. as well. So it's like I, if you give me a little bit of you know this extra behind the scenes stuff, I'm we're history buffs, man. Yeah, so we're just looking for history. But uh, yeah, so you know, slide of the soul. Here we go. Um, you know, we decided, as Mark said, to throw a couple of Purgatory and Leash versions on there. Maybe some of you guys have Purgatory and Leash, maybe you don't. So it might be kind of fun for you to hear some different. It's versions. actually it's a live record that That's I would good. actually buy, even yeah. though I got it for free. But the uh, like the bass tone on it is fantastic. Yeah, I and, and fucking love it. And just they're they're tight. You know, I mean, yeah. even the older songs sound really good, as I'm sure you you heard on you know with Kingdom Gone and Rape by the Light of Christ. I mean, these are these are good tunes. Um, we're going to start with a live version of Slaughter of the Soul, uh, the title track, then two studio, so you can hear kind of the studio sound of it. And this is uh, alongside Terminal Spirit Disease, both recorded uh, with uh, in Studio Friedman, uh, mm-hmm. which Anders Friedman, right? Is that his name? Who's the... No, it's... Um, it's not Anders Friedman. Uh, the hell? Why am I drawing a blank on this guy? Fred? Is it Frederick Norman? No, Frederick. Oh, Frederick. Frederick, Frederick, Frederick Norman's from Catonia. I can't think what the hell his name is. Of course, I'm looking right now. That's what I was, I uh, Frederick Nordstrom. Nordstrom. Okay. There you go. I mean, it's Frederick yeah. or something. And then Kristen Wallen uh, uh, does the cover. Necrolord. Yeah. yeah, Necrolord. Um, oh, Nec- I was calling uh, Tampa Necrolord, but he's uh, Goat. He's Goatlord, isn't he? No, Goatlord's a Darkthorn record. Uh, what the fuck is his nickname? I have to look it up on McCain. Shit, I know I've got the grotesque CD. I'll look in a second. But we've uh, we got under the serpent sun uh, and unto others studio versions of those two songs. Uh, a live version of Need, which then kind of transitions into a live version of the aforementioned Blinded by Fear. So enjoy, and we'll find out who Tampa's underground name is <laughs> when we come back.
need.
blinded by fear and need from the live purgatory unleashed, then unto others and under a serpent sun from slaughter of the soul. And then we started off with a live version of slaughter of the soul from purgatory unleashed. Mm-hmm. And here we go. We're, uh, we made it. We made, made it through the, band. and this is a band that, um, obviously went out on top as we kind of talked about, uh, but luckily for us, uh, reformed to do some live records, uh, live shows, and, and well, for all those, you know, records. all those bands and kids that they influenced that never got to see them back in the day. Well, it, I unfortunately missed them back in the day as well. Yeah. But I think it was worth the wait. Those, yeah, it was those cool. live shows were great, and they they didn't seem to be uh, a false reunion. You know, where it was just kind of in it for only the money. They seemed to enjoy themselves. And, well, the, and I think they're in it for the right reasons. It's not they're not putting it like similar like to what Carcass did is they didn't. It's not like okay, we're gonna get back together and put out a lackluster, you know, record. Yeah, we're just gonna basically we're just gonna do this, play the songs that you guys want to hear, and uh, it's kind of a testament to the band, you know. Yeah, this is all it is. There's, it's not gonna be anything else. I mean, because being away for you know 13, 14 years, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, a lot's changed, uh, and all these guys have clearly stayed involved in the scene. Uh, many of which, you know, these guys went on for you know to be with the Haunted, and um, Adrian plays with. Paradise Lost now. Paradise Lost, Valonfire, he played on. Right? Played with Cradle of Filth. Filth. Um, Tampa's been in Night Rage, uh, Lockout, Crown, The Crown. Lockout, I mean, Great Deceiver, uh, all kinds of stuff. Skit System. I mean, yeah. it's fucking goes on and on. Yeah, and the Bueller Disfear. Brothers. Yeah, yeah. Bueller Brothers did, you know, basically been with the Haunted. Well, and one of them, which you know, forgive me for my ignorance, but I don't know. They're identical twins. So the one, there's one of them that's been doing a bunch of uh, documentaries as well. And he's the so one that filmed the the flames in the end. He also yeah. did the one for Dark Tranquility, which is, is interesting, but not, not as good uh, as sound that, design sucks ass. It's, you can hear if you like hearing gravel, <laughs> the gravel walking. <laughs> that's all I remember from it. It's pretty funny. Um, so yeah, so it's they're they're still around. They're obviously relevant. Yeah. And then there's Martin. Who went to Wendy's with us? <laughs> I like Martin. He's a nice guy. He's, he's, I think he's like in some like rock band or something. Yeah, he now, seemed but. he seemed probably the most down to earth um, of all the guys. Kind of the most mellow. It, it was cool seeing like all these other guys that have been touring consistently for you know twelve years or whatever it's been since they they toured. Uh, he had a little bit of you could see he had a little bit of apprehension when he played. Like this was pushing him a little bit. Yeah, but it was a fucking great show. I think without him, it wouldn't have been. You know, as, as satisfying too. Yeah. But it'd been cool to. I wonder if they, how hard it would have been to maybe pull Elf out for a couple of songs, maybe one. You know, maybe at Vakken or something. If they, if they, yeah, I'm sure the conversation happened. I don't but. know if he he plays in some fucking goofy ass band that was on. Oh, I don't even remember what label it is. Hmm. I just remember the cover was awful. It was like I think it was a picture of him. And he's kind of tattooed up, and he's got like some weird like gun for an arm thing. It looked fucking retarded. I have a feeling it's like pseudo industrial or something. Okay. Perfect. You know, so, I mean, if you haven't played that stuff in a long time, it's probably difficult to pick back up. And yeah, and that a lot of that stuff that he wrote was so complex that it's mm-hmm. not you know you probably have to be pretty well 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 practiced. Um, but as you know, their first I guess epic end of tour was the curse to tour uh with napalm death here in the in the states and that was back in the section as well wasn't it uh not with me i know they did do one leg of was okay. it dissection them and morbid i don't know if it's that i know it's dissection at the i thought it was dissection at the gates in napalm yeah unfortunately i didn't get to see the dissection part of it because that would have been in hindsight uh kind of unimaginable yeah and uh, as I mentioned before, got to see them live in Grand Rapids, and 
they gave us uh, copies of this CD, this little slimline thing called The Curse to Tour, which had four songs from Napalm Death and uh, four mm-hmm. songs from At the Gates. And I think for those of you that have heard that, one of the highlights, of course, was uh, their cover of an Australian band that we're just kind of looking up a little bit called Slaughter Lord uh, with a song called Legion. And it was just not the Dennis Quaid movie. No. Uh, and it was a it was uh, a demo from their Taste of Blood demo from 1986. And, you know, we were kind of discussing there, there really wasn't a whole lot going on in Australia uh, from from a metal point of view, you know, they had the, the rock stuff of the new Christ and, and whatnot, but, uh, ACDC and Nick all that. Cave, but, yeah. yeah. Well, he was in England, but he came from Australia, but, um, yeah. So, I mean, you know, this is a, kind of a bonus. And if you've never heard this, you know, I can imagine that they were probably, um, I want to say a derivative band, but, but, you know, the Exodus Slayer creator, you know, the heavier side of thrash, you, know, you mm-hmm. can kind of hear that element inside of Legion, but it fit the style of at the gates at this point in their career because that's what they were really doing they're kind of doing this death metal sure. hybrid of thrash well, you, if you, you heard know. this without knowing it i mean well, the they, first time i heard it i was like what I, that's just another at the this gates is an awesome song and yeah. i look at the yeah the little promo thing and the breakdown like, in the oh wow sweet it's, it's killer <laughs> yeah. you know i mean it's 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 the highlight of the song is the, the whole middle section of the song with the the sort of drum stop start interplay mm-hmm. and, and you know uh, it's it's a great way to go out for sure, and just like Capture of Sin, it, it it's some it says a lot about a band when you can do a cover and and turn it into a byproduct of everything you are, without losing any of the integrity I think of the original, but oh, or selling out any of the integrity of who you are as a band. Mm-hmm. Yeah, making it your own. It song. is at the gates. Yeah. You know, like I hear the song, I don't think it's a cover. It's just at the gates. You know, and it's a it's kind of a neat way to sort of go out. Um, any final thoughts from? Uh, and, and the legacy, anything? All life ends, dude. All life ends. Yes, it does. <laughs> All life ends. Uh, and and in a way, I think you're right. I think it's good that we don't see another record from these guys. As much as there's that kind of uh, irrational part of me that would would love to know what a new Carcass record, a new At the Gates record, uh, might sound like, uh, we get answers from bands like Morbid Angel sometimes, and it's not always the answer we we want or we're looking for. Yeah. You know, and so I think it's it's good when bands know when their end time is because given like you know carcasses output lately from you know the guys in the bands it's not gonna be what we want yeah and i think they understand that okay this was this was that era um but they're not interested in that intensity if you want to hear another no if you wanted to hear another at the gates record listen to the second and third like haunted made me do it and one kill wonder that's what it would be yeah it's not going to be you know and then go listen to like the crown crowned in terror yep that you, you get the ferocity and you know the the kind of like rumblings of what happened but where the band would have went maybe yeah. sure sure i think yeah i think that's <laughs> that's <laughs> an appropriate way of sort of saying it so uh so we'll close things out here and and hopefully uh you enjoyed our rants and ravings on uh at the gates over the last couple episodes uh let us know what you thought requiem podcast at gmail.com or check us out on itunes leave a review star rating that kind of thing uh if you're interested in being an executive producer please let us know uh you know there's uh if you go to requiempodcast.com uh there's links to to do that um and we also have merchandise still we just sold a couple uh sold a coffee mug and a t-shirt did we 
cool. recently and I think got four dollars from nice. it. But uh, nice. every little bit helps, and uh, I appreciate anybody that that wants to you know keep a keep one of those coffee mugs in your cubicle or sport the t-shirt yeah. in response. Uh, you know, kind of support the show. Yeah, and uh, Mark's got a lot of cool artwork and, and things like that. You can link to to get some of the stuff that he's done for uh, his freelance and for mm-hmm. Decibel and, and different kind of things like that. So. Lots of good things there. Uh, get some early Christmas presents or Mother's Day gifts uh, now. Start, Any, start thinking. Get birthday presents, yeah, what, birthday whatever presents. it might be. Sure. Uh, is Lent coming up? Maybe Lent already happened. I don't know. Yeah, I think it did. I grew up uh, Catholic, but I'm, I'm, I no longer follow that dogma. So uh, yeah. a good Lent gift. Maybe a good Friday yeah. gift. I'm not sure. <laughs> What's the end of uh, Lent? Is there some giant celebration? Is that Easter, Good I think Friday? I think it goes Ash Wednesday, Lent, yeah. Good Friday, Easter. Yeah. Right? I, the only reason I remember it's like a week of, because it's I would a week get of ass kicking. I would get a day off of ritual stuff. Yeah, yeah. 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 So. somebody rolled open the boulder and uh, <laughs> Jesus came crawling. Yes, out. of course he did. Yeah. Somebody <laughs> stole his body. <laughs> and uh, on that note, King of Kings, uh, my ass. We have we have Legion to sort of go out with an appropriate kind of song. So uh, enjoy this, if, especially if you haven't heard it before. If you have. Uh, Enjoy it again. So for uh, At the Gates and Legion from the Curse to Tour uh, CD, I'm Jason. And I'm Mark.